Hey, what's going on, guys? We're back with another episode of the Pokey Talk Podcast. Ended up being quite the uh, quite the episode content this week. We got a, yep. lot, of, uh, a lot of news. A lot of news. Yeah. yeah. New Pokemon set, new Lacana set, new special products, a lot of Pokemon drama. Yeah. <laughs> so some of those things we're not going to go into too much detail, but we'll, no. we'll kind of give you like the lowdown. And you can, you can look into it for yourself because, you know, we're not really wanting to get into. No. Especially like the drama side of things. But, exactly. Uh, but yeah, what's been happening? Well, a lot. <laughs> uh, I think both of us can attest to that. You obviously will have your own input on it. But, man, it has been a whirlwind these past couple weeks. Um, I feel like I've been on cl- cloud nine, like this natural high, for about, I don't know, like all month. <laughs> uh, almost feeling like, am I on cloud nine? Am I manic? I can't tell which. Who knows? Maybe both. All of them at once. You know, so... Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, sold all but my Elsa D23 cards. Well, I guess I have my Hickey 9 as well and the folders and the pens. Yeah. Keeping the folders, I think th- those are kind of cool for now. I have two of them. I might sell one. Um, uh, like I said, I'm keeping them now. I might get a couple hundred bucks. But you know what? I, I We'll go into it in a little bit later. But I think I'm just going to hold on to those and the pen and the Mickey 9 and the Elsa 10 right now. I mean... The reason why I chose to hang on to her is one, I think she can go further. Um, and two, for tax purposes, either I, if I sold now, I'd have to pay an additional like upwards of a thousand dollars in taxes based on where I'm at on the tax bracket. So either I wait now or wait till next year, even if it drops, it's really irrelevant. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just kind of waiting and might the earliest I might do it is around summer if there's a peak. Uh, we've kind of both discussed the potential outlook of the D23 cards, and we both kind of agree there's going to be a delay um, increase, either potentially as early as this summer or potentially one to two years, like we saw with the Japanese promos in Pokemon. It's really we both believe in the same <clears throat> sentiment. It's just about kind of when it might happen is kind of the uncertainty that we see. Um, but either way, we both agree that it's going to potentially go up. Well, most likely increase any point between summer and the following summer, you know, summer, 2024, summer, 2025 or so, um, either way. So I'm, I'm going to hold on to it. I hope it times well, where I can potentially get the first edition Charizard that you might sell. If not, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I need to figure out what I'm going to do, but with all that situation as well. Yeah, and uh, holding off on the Mario for just a few more weeks. Uh, basically, I decided to pay off all debts, and we're making a play with some Disney Lorcana. Another play, hey! Uh, so I'm basically waiting until I get my Christmas bonus to officially buy the Mario, and that's probably what I should have done regardless. But you know, when you're so close, you've been tr- you've been talking about this card for years, and you're so close, you can feel it, you can taste it. It's making it very difficult for those final few weeks to be patient. But at the same time, you just got to tell yourself, listen, it's just two or three more weeks. What is it in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, um, because of some of the cards, in addition to selling mostly towards that, I kept a little bit for myself, obviously, with the PSN Mario, but I'm also getting a whole sleeve tattoo. Hey, what's up? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, the plays, you know, we've been looking at the D100 Lorcana gift yep. box. 
course. Um, bought a few, maybe a little too early because they've definitely yeah. come down. But that's uh, it's been confirmed to be a limited product. Really don't think they're going to be reprinting this. You essentially get six awesome-looking artwork cards, all unique style, like totally unique art compared to even brand-new style that is normally in the sets. Um, has the artist signature on them very like we swartz style mm-hmm. so these cards you know ultimately when i have the boxes in hand there will be a loss but we were thinking about the end product after we grade them and i think that'll be pretty easily even if the cards are like a hundred dollars a piece even in a psa 9 which is pretty reasonable like people would mm-hmm. scoop those up you know that's definitely making a lot of money so they might not even reach that but the the odds even paying like what we did i think the odds that will be all right is fine and anybody who's picking up this box at $50 MSRP is definitely going to be all right yep so see we're, we're going to venture into a local game store here in a few hours yep. when they open mm-hmm. see if uh we can get that cost averaging down, pick up another for 50 bucks. And I may be canceling some orders because we were, there was kind of some, you know, I read some places where it was going to be on the first other places where it said no LGS is going to be on the 17th and trying to find this through, you know, multiple articles. I couldn't figure it out. People on social media were saying multiple things. I had no idea. Um, And, we intimate, I was like, I, I want to make sure I got it. So at the time, it was a pretty solid price for the market at the time. And this was just like last week. Well, they're, they weren't going to ship out till the first. Well, I thought that was okay. And if maybe the, some of them have them earlier, great. Well, now that we see that LGS is all over the country have them, I'm probably going to cancel. Um, now, if, if I can get this product for MSRP, that would put me at 240 a box which isn't terrible um, as far as the cost basis. It's probably a little higher than what it should be, but it's it's okay enough. Now, if I can't get one or they don't have one for MSRP, I'm going to kind of see where things are at Monday, Tuesday, and I'm going to go ahead and cancel it. You know, it is it is what it is. Um, I mean, the guy, I, I, you can't, at first I was feeling like, uh, because, you know, I am a seller as well. You know, Nathan is a seller, so we kind of we understand both sides of the equation. But then I was like thinking, about, I was like, wait a minute. If he has a actual like ability to, if he's got a thing with Disney Lurkana and actually selling them, so he's getting them for wholesale, so he's getting them for like twenty five dollars a box. He's making eight times his money even after taxes and fees. I, what am I feeling sorry for? <laughs> well, a lot of them sit- too, like you know the the LGSs were supposed to be today, which is yeah. When you're hearing this Friday, so the, uh, what is it, the 17th? Yeah. And then big box stores on the 1st. Well, what a lot of stores were doing on eBay is like they put it up there and they said, might ship out on the 17th, might ship out on the 1st. We'll just ship it out whenever we get it. So that's fine and dandy like to sell them early, but people know when they're going to get them. Like... If you're an official Lorcana store, which people know if they are because they host the games and they get the, you know, the packs to hand out to players. If you're an official Lorcana store, you got it today. If you're not, odds of you getting it today are 
pretty much nothing and you'll be whenever the big box stores. So a lot of people were kind of using that as to like an advantage, say like, we'll, we'll ship it out when we get our allocation anywhere from the 17th to the first. It's like, okay, like it's kind of shady, you know? So yeah, a lot of those listings, I'm sure a lot of people will be like, I, I did pay up around 200 bucks. I think that's like the, the magic number because with 200 bucks, even if all six cards were 50 bucks a piece, then you factor in grading fees. I think 200 bucks is like a decent spot to where you could sell for a little profit if you want, or just keep them for about break even. So I bought a couple boxes there. And uh, one of them I didn't buy till just like two days ago when he had the box in hand and he's already shipped. And then this other guy who said in the description that they have their allocation on the 17th because they're an official store, he shipped as well. And the one I'm waiting to hear from is the one I actually bought first who's kind of, you know, kind of sketchy with it, right? So, yeah, we'll Well, see what happens. The real reason why I was unsure is because because I get points through using PayPal, I was I paid off the credit line already. <laughs> like I like to get pay stuff quick as possible, so that was the only thing that made me like, should I do it because then it's gonna become complicated. But then I was like, hold on, I'm pretty sure it just has it as like a negative balance, so that once you get to it, it breaks even once you spend that difference. Um, so that's probably what I'm, I'm just gonna just say, screw it, and just I'm leaning towards like 65, 35 percent doing it to not doing it. Just because it doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the prices and I'm like, why am I trying to be nice towards somebody that doesn't care about me for a difference of 250 bucks? Yeah. Like it's pretty significant. You, you know what I mean? Um, and I figure the quicker I get on this, the better it is for him to resell it. And my guess is if he's getting them on the first, what he most likely did is he usually he either used bots for Target for pre-orders, or somehow he is a small non-brick-and-mortar LGS, but he doesn't have enough reviews to make me think that. He had like 150 reviews or something like that. Um, so that makes me think if he is one, he hasn't been doing it for very long. And with how difficult it was to access, to become a new store, either he got on the ball early, or like, you know, in the summer, or he is most likely using bots to buy from target. So whichever the purpose he's already made his money and then some, so there's no reason for me to feel sorry because right now he's probably thinking of me as a sucker all the, all the way to the bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if I, for sure, but but yeah, if if I can't get this, I'm probably going to cancel. If I do get this at the LGS, I might hold off because it lowers the cost basis to a more comfortable margin, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and with this coming out, there is a the second chapter coming out as well in mm-hmm. Wakana today. Um Rise of the Floodborne. What I'm seeing online is like the stock seems better than what the first chapter yep. was. So that's Absolutely. Good. Um there's more first chapter coming. Um mm-hmm. feel like now we're starting to see the community like flourish a little bit because yep. we are actually getting stock more available so that's nice which is good for those also that have or haven't bought the d100 product because what nathan and i were discussing was 
So what can lead to this crazy growth of this box quick, like through hype scenario, through social media FOMOing? And one of those is the accessibility that reaches to casuals, right? So enough people are able to get product that finally it's able to stay on the shelves for a little bit. And it reaches people that haven't been able to think about it or doesn't really know much about it, but kind of interested. It reaches those people. It reaches new people that don't even know about it yet. Well, suddenly, yeah. what's the first thing that they're gonna that they're they're gonna be on? The D one hundred cards. First thing, not the D twenty three, the D one hundred. Yeah, that's a whole nother point of the market too. Like you said, we haven't even seen the casual base because stuff hasn't been available, and like stuff just gets scooped up so quick. And uh, you know, there's a there's a point to all this. We're gonna kind of talk about Pokemon in the in the sense yep. of if if the magic of Pokemon can be replaced or replicated and, uh, you know, essentially talking all this Lorcana across all these episodes, we're kind of in tune to that market and we're seeing these problems firsthand where like casuals can't get into it and stuff like that. So they're the most relevant thing right now and probably for the near future that's going to try Mm-hmm. and possibly the only ones who could, if it was possible, to replicate that magic. So that's kind of what we're getting at. But, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the casuals or even the kids, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, with Pokemon, you could go into a store and buy cards, and that, that's pretty much the only people who were buying cards. The adults were kind of losers if they were buying that stuff, right? But now with the internet era and all the nerdy stuff kind of not necessarily being cool to some people, but more accepted because there's more of us out there communicating with each other. Like you're seeing parents picking up Lorcana. Like you're seeing our age people with kids like trying to get them into it. So not only do you have the kids, but you have the parents too. And, uh, I would say it's more so like teenagers to 25-year-olds than it is kids right now just because of that lack of availability in stores where kids are at. So hopefully that'll get better with time goes on. I'm sure there's going to be more second chapter reprints as well. So it's, yeah. it's starting off strong, stronger than people expected. But I think part of it sell. was, honestly, I think... a part of it might have been there was you know some folks were kind of discussing how why was there such a shortage of product for the first set i think some of it was it kind of caught them off guard how big it was i think the other aspect was they kind of wanted to see what was the demand before printing things to to oblivion um i do believe that had some merit and it's kind of looking like that based on how much product they were able to get in two months that indicates to me that they had the capabilities from the beginning, right? Well, like, they have the capabilities, but a lot of it is like talking with these printing companies because like the same printing company might be printing Magic or Pokemon mm-hmm. or One Piece. Like they can't just say, oh, yeah, give us more of that. It's like, okay, well, you're fourth in line, so here you go. And like my theory on that is, you know, Rise of the Floodborne was printing probably when first chapter released. So they knew the hype probably when that was still in print. So that is more likely of a case like, hey, we really need more of this. Since you're already printing this, can you like 
you know, up the production or, or double it or whatever. I would think the company would be more likely to, you know, I don't really, I'm not too familiar with the factory conditions inside a place like that, but I have buddies who work at other, like a, a box facility where they make boxes and, you know, if they have a big order come in, they do mandatory overtime. Their boss like, hey, we're we're working twelve hour shifts this week, um, so it might be that situation. Um, but yeah, who knows? Definitely, we're pretty much done with the first chapter, so they had to wait to get more of that out there. So, and I'm sure the printing companies really want to work with them. You know, Disney's backing this, so it's like if anyone. Give me that Disney money. Yeah, everyone wants that Disney money. <laughs> Give me that money. mouse money. <laughs> if there's anyone they're going to prioritize, it should be Disney or Pokemon. They, yeah, so. they see it as like, don't piss off these people now because, you know, don't bite off the hand that feeds us, essentially. And that's, you know, the money is there and the capability is there. It's not like it's One Piece and you're uncertain that this might go belly up, even though the Phantom for One Piece is, oh, One Piece is one of the biggest IPs that there is. And... Even though, you know, being aware of that, knowing that you don't know how successful it might be. However, when you got that Disney money, that Fortune 500 company behind it, all of a sudden you feel more comfortable with your investment or your potential. Like, okay, let's go ahead and give in or lean over a little bit for them. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely some power in the name there. But speaking of new sets... I want to jump into the new Pokemon sets that have been leaking out. We have... Shiny uh, Treasure. Yeah, Shiny Treasure EX, which is releasing in Japan December 1st. Mm Mm-hmm. And with that, we got the product images and the pack images of Palday Mm -hmm. and Fates, which is our version of that. So, brand new Shining Fates, Hidden Fates, Shiny Legends... It's a brand new product along those lines. It's going to be lots of shinies, baby shinies, and the whole nine yards. You know, say what you will about some of the modern hollows for Pokemon. Um, The aesthetic that the shiny um, library brings in terms of cards that they use for shiny fates, heading fates, that silver border with stars and this focus on, like, you know, the shiny. Like, it has a silver border where it brings you in into the, sh- the the Pokemon and really, you know, pops, makes the shiny Pokemon pop. Um, there's something about these cards that allow, obviously, for those to collect it. And they're honestly, for what they are, they're, they're pretty cool to look at for, for what they are. Yeah. We get another full art Mew. <laughs> this is Yay. now like the third or fourth shiny full art Mew or something like that. Someone pointed out. Yeah. We have the equivalent of three full art Mew EXs now. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. cool. Like, you know, Canto, Canto favors once again. <laughs> well, and this, yeah, I mean, they had Mew for 151, right? And then they had it for, uh, and they had, I know we had, they had Mew, was it for Visar Universe as well? Something like that. Celebrations. Yeah. And celebrations. Yeah. I think everybody did the reprint. I mean, the. Like a gold Mew. Yeah, and I mean, I will say the shiny Mew is pretty, pretty awesome. Like, let let's be real. Shiny Mew is it's it's simple. It's a Carolina blue, 
aesthetic, but I mean, it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> why not Mewtwo even? I mean, yeah. Well, the Mewtwo, Mewtwo with the why green, not? well, the Mewtwo with the green, it's not the same appeal. For, maybe it's just me. I'm biased. Blue is my favorite color. And specifically, I mean, I like multiple shades of blue, but that lighter blue is one of my personal favorites, you know? So it's, I mean, the, for me, it's just very soothing just to look at. It's it's nice. It's easy on the eyes. I'll say it like that. Another thing easy on the eyes is the English ETB's got Mimikyu on it. Mimikyu, yeah. So all all Mimikyu themed items and sleeves. And there's a there's a promo where he's just chilling on the on a bench with yeah. a blanket. I think the it looks awesome. ETB's are cool. The promo, I'm just kind of. I'm not the biggest fan of the promo. Um, it looks quaint. I get that. I'm just n- not a fan of it. It's cool in a sense, like, you know, it's just kind of chilling with the grandma. Yeah. Sewing. Yeah. It should have been darker. Like, in the games, there's... can't remember exactly how the story goes, but pretty much, I want to say, like, Mimikyu's, like, in this haunted mansion... And pretty much like very creepy acting and giving the illusion that it's like a little girl. And you're like talking to this girl in this hidden mansion and it's like Mimikyu all along. Like they could have did some dark vibes there. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting artwork. Kind of a peaceful little artwork there. But. Love the product. Probably won't open any because I'm just uh, stubborn. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I might open something if there's something that really pops out at me. Um, I, I imagine the art rares that they're going to have with this are going to be pretty popping. Um, we'll probably by next episode. Let's see how so this one's going live the 19th, but the next one will be the third. Yeah, so it comes out the first. So yeah, we'll we'll have. Um, we'll be recording by the first. So, yeah, we'll have all the art rares by then to be able to go through and go over. And I'm expected some really big side, things. Anyway. What? I said on the Japanese side anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah Japanese yeah. releases on the first. So Yeah. And I'm excited for this set because I think this could be the best set since V-Star Universe. So it's been, you know, 12 months, I guess, a year. So the best set all year, essentially. Um, yeah, not counting 151. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that one was pretty good. But, I mean, there were, there were some good cards over there. But that one, I kind of, I wasn't inspired over it, essentially. Uh, mainly because the rehashing of the Kanto and just the Kanto gets tiresome. Just look at the Pokemon collection box and how that aired. Um, I don't know. It's... <laughs> it's pretty big probably the biggest set of the last two years i'd say i mean people went after it because 151 it tugs at the nostalgia strings and there's definitely some good cards most notably the canto legendary birds and giovanni and a few other good ones not saying that it's not good i'm just saying i'm over it as uh, as an aspect yeah with the 151 yep well we'll see how it plays out yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this one brings in. Yeah, it'll definitely be definitely be hype. Um, 
you know, definitely heading into the holidays, getting all that new flavor hype. I think next year is going to really shape up to be much more interesting as far as yep. the mainline sets go. I think they're going to take it to the next level next year because technically yeah. it would be year two. And I think that's when we saw year twos when we saw the, so it would have been uh, battle styles, which would have been 2021. Yep. That sounds about right. So yeah, about year two, I think, think we're going to see something a little bit new next year. Yeah. And yeah, just like we said, you know, first few <laughs> sets are a little boring. Things are going to ramp up a little bit, especially after 151 and uh, Paldean Fates. They're going to have to uh, keep the dopamine going and sprinkle in a little something extra for the new year. Yeah. So. Yep, pretty cool, though. Last little bit of news I had, I guess aside from the drama, we'll mention the drama real briefly after this, but yeah. well, I guess let's go ahead and mention it now, and I'll I'll uh, do my last little bit of flash news before we jump in, but... Yeah, to not go into many details. No. We'll just kind of say, like, who it's between. But the uh, Coffee Talks podcast with DJ Gigabyte and Dave Person released an episode last week. Two episodes now. They did a follow-up episode. Um, really, really going into problems they've had in the hobby. Um, you guys may have seen the pre-release Raichu graded not only one, but two of them, both of them belonging to Dave Person, who is without a doubt, in my mind, the most complete English collection of all time. He literally has every single English card just about, all heirs, all variants, cards you never heard of, including the previous Raichu. Yeah, the English V set. Yep, English, uh, yeah, VS, um... Two sets, because there's two variants of those. Every single world's trophy card dating all the way back to the 90s. So not only does he own a trophy card, but every single trophy card from like 1999 up until 2023. He just recently completed his 2023 goal. So yeah, pretty insane. Podcast is is super interesting. DJ Gigabyte, Dan, he's one of the most knowledgeable people in the hobby by far. He kind of goes under the radar. He's essentially Dave's liaison for all these cards. Um, and it makes sense, you know, having someone like DJ Gigabyte in the hobby, helping you with your collection. Um, just makes sense if you're a collector and as wealthy as you are at on Dave's caliber. So, just to mention, Dave is, like, vastly probably one of the most successful people in the hobby, but not because of the hobby. It's outside of the hobby, so just keep that yep. in mind, like, why he has all this stuff. He's net, in his, in his say, 50s, pushing 60 now, so. I think he said 62, but he doesn't look it, but that's what that big honey does, but... uh afford all those his, treatments and everything. Well, I mean, I think he lives out he lives out in the West Coast too, so you know, it has the easy like chill lifestyle with the uh, you know, the winter does wear down on anybody's physical well-being. Yeah. Um, you know, and just the like the lack of taking care of yourself occurs in the Midwest in the winter. But um, essentially his net worth, I mean, I don't even want to throw it around. I, I have no idea, but I would guess outside like not even including Pokémon, his net worth is over 20 million 
you know, just to put that into perspective. And it could be even more, not including the Pokemon. I want to reiterate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely uh, well off and also one of the like sweetest guys in the hobby. He really like every time I message him, he responds back. I've actually done a video where I've had him on and he goes out of his way to help people and, you know, get on people's channels. We did like an hour long plus talk or just me and him just chit chatting. This was like peak hype. So he had plenty of other things I'm sure he could have been doing. But, uh, yeah, enough, enough said about them. They, they are legit. That's what we're trying to get at. Um, they raise concerns with a few other names in the hobby. Um, some things were said that could potentially have more outcomes in the future. So if you guys want to know who those were about, um, just go watch the video. Um, there's a lot of beef about the Elite Forum and kind of people who run that and a lot of other definitely well-known people in the hobby. I mean, if you're listening to us, you're pretty deep in this hobby. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to us, you probably know some of these names. But um, there's two sides of every story. Yep. There's definitely some shady stuff going on This from what yep. it sounds like. Um, as far as like relocating the website and going behind people's backs for other deals and stuff like that. But it's, it was a young hobby and people are just trying to make the best of their situation and people have poor judgment time to time. So I think that's literally a case of this and it's a lot of, he said, she said, but for, for instance, like I trust them fully. But I also trust some of the people they talk about to some extent. But I will say, out of everyone that has mentioned, um, everybody that I've interacted with in the situation has treated me right. So I really have no side. But there's definitely been some uh, been some shakeups, and then yeah. discussions about overall content, like a certain person who likes to make negative clickbaity content for the drama um, lot. There's, which that's a whole topic in its in itself. You know, I'm very much a for the positive type and positive vibe. But, uh, yeah, there's some people out there who are just trying to make a name for themselves. And, you know, it very after reading, like, the post in regard and response from the Elite Forum in response to the Coffee Talk podcast, there's definitely more than one side to this. And... You know, they provide analytics, which analytics can be used for, I mean, to control a narrative, but doesn't complete the narrative. Um, and there is defi- there's definitely been things that have been shown and discussed that, sh- that support some of the uh, issues that they discuss on the Coffee Table podcast. Now, that doesn't mean that makes somebody more right than the other. It just you kind of see some of the ugliness and immaturity of some people, which, you know what? Like, I can't fault that if you've grown from that as a person, because I'll be the first one to tell you I've had some negative uh, experiences. You know, I've been the person that have created negative interactions. I've been stubborn and I've created negative interactions. Um, you know, it's happened locally with stupid stuff like Pokemon Go, for example, you know, um, just, you get caught up in the moment, you get stubborn, you get defensive and you just kind of get carried away, you know, and 
eventually gets to the point where you might spat back and forth. That's why it's like, you know, I can see the negatives of somebody from, from a situation like that. But I also understand it because I've been in that side. Now, have you grown from that as a person? That's something that we can't really say for sure. Maybe they haven't. Sometimes what you get from successful people is they like to smell their own shit so so much that they don't ever see through that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like everybody can grow. People can legitimately change. But will the person make that uh, make that? stance to go ahead and do that that's something that you you don't know but you know at this point it just looks like a he said she said unless they got proof unless they got proof and they're going to do a lawsuit in my opinion they should just they, they've spoken their mind they've talked about their experiences of it in my opinion unless they have proof to support everything they're saying they should just kind of let it rest and let it be yeah and in a way that's what they're doing like Obviously, they want to get the info out there, and a lot yep. of this spawned from, well, pretty much all spawned from the pre-release Raichu, and that's kind mm -hmm. of what started it. Basically, these people who don't have a copy or wanted to get a copy are, like, the legitimacy of the Raichu is what it was, right? So there was one person talked about who wanted to pay up, like, 15000 for one of these copies 10 years ago, which was, like... Yeah big money huge money back then mm -hmm. and he did not win the auction because they found found out about it his person who middlemaned all these deals got wind and he ended up buying it so it is what it is you know more money more power so you can have your own opinions on that but i can't can't say i agree with with that really fully either but i guess you can do what you want when you got the money um, but that individual <laughs> then went on to say like, oh, it's illegitimate, you know, which is immature. Yeah. And it's when you know for because, a fact, oh, I, I didn't get my copy. I lost the one copy that I was trying for. So now it's not a legit card. That's childish. And that shows immaturity. So that that's one of those things where, but it was also, he was probably a teenager, early twenties. So, you know, we can all attest. We were all dipshits from our early 20s. If you don't think you were, then you're probably still a dipshit now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the that's the only thing you can really say to that. So, I mean, and again, you know, you're you can be competitive and I I I I get it, okay? Um and I would be furious if somebody did that to me, especially if somebody who I considered an acquaintance/friend. I would be furious if somebody did that. Like you saw when we were talking about D100 boxes, what did I do? I was like, "Hey, if you're not if you're not gonna, go, are you gonna pull the trigger on that or not?" I asked you each time, you know, because I didn't want to snipe it from you, and I know if if if, if the roles are reversed, I know I would be pissed. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's, that's my I, problem with that situation too. It's like if you've already got one, it's like okay, like are you just being being the corporate bully now and just it's like yeah, essentially you are. Which I understand why, but yeah, if it if it was a friend, then yeah, two sides of every story, like we said, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, there's a lot to it, and they did go pretty hard on their videos, because um, even watching it, I'm like, man, this is like the first one. Yep, I was, haven't watched the second one yet, though. Second one's not as much. They go into okay. kind of specific people a little more, okay. maybe, but kind of deserved. Like, basically, their reaction videos, they're re reacting to the reaction videos of the reaction, you know. <laughs> so, 
it's it's not as bad as that first one, but yeah, the first one I almost got like uncomfortable watching it. It's like yes, man, yes, this is because... like supposed to be like a positive hobby, and their podcast overall, all thirty six episodes before that were very positive, but then it just felt misplaced. And they actually made a point on the second one that you know they're they're wanting to be positive and they're not going to make any other videos totally dedicated to it. So. Yeah, that's that's good. They should just let it be out there and go from there because there were times where it was like person in particular, you can tell he was passionate. I, I understand why he was frustrated too. Like imagine if something you one of your most cherished hobbies, imagine if I was telling you your first edition, you know, Charizard was fake, you know. And I was letting everybody know. And it all stems back because ten years ago or five years ago whenever you bought that, you sniped it from under me. That's where the vendetta came from. Yeah. I can understand him taking it personal, okay, 100%. And you can tell, you know, this is where he vents within the hobby. So that's why it, he probably wasn't able to tell anybody. You know, for him, it was probably cathartic to an, to, to an extent, right? Totally understandable. And even but, with him and his collection, like, they, they are very small, like, YouTube channel, like, under 2,000. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, there's not – should have tens of thousands, but, you know, that's just nature of YouTube if you're not – doing the O face and doing all this crazy stuff. You're just not going to get subscribers. But as far as knowledge to subscriber ratio, that is the best podcast. Like as far as knowledge and how many subs they have. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually going to be added to my, to my list of shows when I watched it, because, you know, I did like a lot of what person was talking about. I I loved his, his attitude. I love his positivity. And, you know, even, you know, people are people, right? Even if you're a positive person, that doesn't mean you're going to have your down days. It doesn't mean you're going to have negative thoughts or negative sentences, you know, negative words from time to time. Now, it's about the, you know, plurality of your actions and worlds that make folks perception of you overall. Although, you know, first, you know, first interaction can make huge opinions. But, uh, but, but the whole point is I, he leaned in and just as he was about to lean all the way in, he leaned back. What I mean by that is there were times where I felt like, like you were saying, it was getting highly aggressive. Like if that were a conversation in the same room, things would have gotten physical if the tone was kept at what it was. But I mean, I mean, I kind of got that vibe. I did. Yeah. Like he was passionate. I, I, I totally felt that. But then he leaned back. And he also, another thing I noticed was he didn't try to insult. He just was saying his opinions on it and, and what, he, as what he saw as the facts of it as well. He refrained from saying personal anecdotes, one that apparently could have been severe, and he refrained from doing that, which, in, in my opinion, speaks about uh, the quality of character. If it were that bad, it could, quote, unquote, end somebody's career or you know, completely mess up somebody's life. He didn't lean into that. He didn't insult. He just spoke his opinion about it without going ad hominem on this. I think that speaks about the quality of character. But when when you're watching it, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it got intense at times, but that's why I watched the whole entire thing. And you'll you'll see more of that character in the second one, too. He definitely lays it out. He even questions Dan, like, if he's overreacting or if what he's saying was actually true. So also has a lawyer background. So he's in the financial world, but he has a law degree. So <laughs> that's where a lot of that comes from. So and uh, yeah, yeah. overall nice dude though, like super Mm -hmm. pleasurable and all their other episodes are great. Very positive. You know, he's acquiring these like 
once in a lifetime cards like multiple times a month anytime there's like a new worlds and he's just like the most humble guy and it wasn't even until like a couple weeks ago when he got these cards graded where he's finally like showing off more of his stuff because people have been dying to see it during covid he made some videos because you know he couldn't he was he was stuck at home so now he's sharing a little more of his collection. I think he shared even some disco hollows that that's a whole nother thing. Like another mm -hmm. an episode before another this, foils, they were talking yeah. about like how they had a disco print base sheet, like disco hollow. Mm -hmm. And uh, they cut that up and got that graded and TCA gaming bought a few and they've all distributed. And there's been some shade on that about cutting up sheets, but yeah, there's, there's just a lot to unpack. You guys just got to go see it. We've, uh, yeah. we've went, on about it just a little too much here just mentioning it but there, there's a lot to it <laughs> but in uh finishing up told you we had a lot there's a lot of news that happened juicy we, we were gonna we were gonna record five days ago and if we did that we would have missed like all of this so, yeah kind of sucks that we have to do it the friday before we go live on sunday but definitely worth it for the news this week it pays off when we yep. do it um, the only thing, honestly, the only thing I want to say real fast, I don't. It's just a small tidbit, but did you all see the the Tiffany and Pokemon collaboration that they're doing? How ridiculous that is! Twenty nine thousand for a zombie Pikachu. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, little too much there. It's like, all right, come on now, don't don't toot your own horn too much. Not even made from solid gold. If it's twenty nine thousand, it better be not just made from gold, but also handcrafted. Okay, and it's neither. Yeah. Yeah, that that was kind of that was kind of crazy. I like I just looked at it and I'm like, well, it's not stunning. 29,000. No. Yeah. It right. looks weird even. And that's all it I looks weird. At it. So they better I hope they they make less than 1,000 if they even make that much. Because Shoot, their market's going to be like very 50 of them at that price. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say they're yeah, they should make a very limited run because the amount of people wanting... I'll tell you right now, if you buy that, the resale value on this in five years, if you can find one, ain't going to be anything. Because yeah. ultimately, it's not worth its weight in silver, platinum, or gold, or whatever. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's valuable just because of the name brand, and it always yep. will be, but it's not going to go crazy. Mm. You know, Potentially even come down a little bit. I bet you, I bet you will see Logan Paul with the complete line on his next whatever WWF or whatever that is. I, I don't watch that shit, but whatever it is, he'll 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 have it. And it'll be funny. It'll be funny to me. It'll be like <laughs> ridiculous, but you know, to each her own. You need a you need to have the illustrator that he overpaid three million dollars for, lined with the diamonds with the Tiffany jewelry hanging off of it. Yeah, like that was definitely an overpay, and we even discussed <laughs> it. And David Person even said on that podcast, like we knew there was more than the thirty-nine or forty that were believed to exist. And you know, he believes, and it's pretty much well known amongst a lot of the big boys that it's potentially double that, which makes sense. We're seeing a lot of them pop up. Yep, it makes sense because they probably made more than the expected winners that they were going to hand out for obvious reasons. And there's been, you know, people have been tuned for years, you know, the rarest cards are like certain trophies when they... No, yeah. Like only sure. like certain years or, you know, the English VS series, stuff like that. 
or even the disco hollow cards, you know, maybe there was only a few sheets of those made, but it's definitely way more things, like more rare than the illustrator. It's just kind of became the poster boy of the trophy cards. So, and it is probably the coolest one. I like it more than the trophy cards, the OG trophy cards, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, it is better, but I don't really care for the art. Yeah. Even if I had the money, I don't know if I would ever get it. Yeah. One one more bit about tiny one bad more, news, one. one more bit of good news. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Van Gogh Museum Pikachu. Just be aware there have been tons of fakes hitting the market, apparently. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing that. this um, even with Lorcana's D23 Mickey. Just the fact, like it's a plain card, just like Van Gogh. We're starting to see special cards like this get better fakes, faster, and uh, more quantity. So there's definitely people out there taking advantage of these, especially cards that are real simple, no hollow pattern, no um, texture. So you really got to be careful with that. Seems like the majority of the fakes have been pretty similar. There's been a Reddit, Reddit article. It's going around on E4. Um, there's some spacing things that you can look at on the copyright at the bottom of Pikachu. It has like 2023 Pokemon, Nintendo, Creatures, Game Freak. And between all those um, words, there's a space. It's like Pokemon, space, slash, space, Nintendo, space slash space creatures and so on on the fakes all those spaces are gone so it's like pokemon slash nintendo slash so that's one thing to keep out for keep an eye out for um so yeah you want spaces on both sides of the slashes there's one other thing people pointed out um on the actual card but i know a lot of fakes that are coming sealed on the white card like the insert card that just tells you what it is there's like a uh there's like a country code on there of some kind where it's like a black flap and it says FR for like France or something like that. Um, on the fakes, a lot of those don't have the FR on them. So there, there's points out there. So keep an eye out. Um, do your research if you're buying these raw. Um, fakes have definitely been running through the market. Um, last little bit of news. Good news. I am the newest owner slash winner of the Poncho Megazard X Pikachu. So this is something you were asking about at the top of the podcast. I said, just hang on a minute. Hang on. Did a minute. you get the nine or the ten? I got the ten. Oh, well, was it an auction or was it a? Uh, I wasn't paying attention. There was an auction ending. It was an auction, but I did kind of slightly overpay for it. I uh, I was in the heat of the moment. I'm like, this one is nice. It's the newest cert that I've seen so far. It's like an eight three cert. Oh wow! So it's that's like it's like, like in the last month. Yeah. So it's it's very clean, very new, very shiny. Um, I just jumped on it. The last sale I had was on eBay at like forty six hundred. Basically, I won this one at forty nine fifty. Um, it made sense. I was watching some Mario's. Mario's have went up a little bit 
since that 4500 sale of the poncho. So I knew this one was probably, you know, 45 was the bottom in my opinion. And literally 49.55 was my max. And I won it for 49.50 right at the end. So That's still pretty good. They were going up for six, 7,000 during the hype. So, I mean, 5,000 for the most sought after. And if you, like you were saying, you apply it to the PSA 10 Mario. Honestly, it might be an overpay technically on what the market was. But overall, I think in the grand scheme of things in the last year, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And, um, uh... Yeah, about a month ago, I bought the Mario from Jim Mint, paid 5200 for that, and it's pushing like 58 now um, yep. in the same time period. So for this one to only jump 400 and the Mario to jump more, I mean, I think I pretty ballpark price. Um, but yeah, from the summer hype of all those Japanese cards, we definitely seen them crash way hard, but they're starting to heat up again because they, they stabilized and people are like, okay, this is probably the new low and people are buying them again. This one ended at seven, like 50 or 1154 today. So a random weekday, random time around lunch. Terrible time. Terrible, terrible time. time. And it still went for that. So just like that stitch that sold, um, just like two weeks ago, just after high stitch sold, the guy, you can tell he was pretty new to selling. Low rating on eBay. Had all these sets. We, You and I were talking about how the downward slope was beginning for the D23. I got all mine off quick. And the last I checked, which has been a couple of days, most of mine litter the non-Mickey 10 sales on the 130 point when you can look at them. So that says something. So the, I think they're going to slip in their 10 15%. But anyway, the guy, Monday afternoon, or was it Tuesday? I might have been, a, no, I think it was a Monday afternoon, or it was, it was, it was an afternoon, weekday afternoon at like three or four o'clock. Terrible timing. Sold for under 2,500. Terrible timing. Yeah. The timing matters when your thing ends. Even if it's a hot market item, it matters. You got to have it end between seven and 10 on any given night. Well, I was thinking that with this poncho, which maybe if it was on a Friday night, it would have broke five thousand. But it well, went, you, it you went know, for more than I expected. I was, I was pretty set on forty eight hundred, and then I put in a bid like with ten seconds left, and I saw it got beat. That that kind of goes into my question a little bit later. Some eBay strategies, but yeah, oh um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I put it in. I always put one in a little early to kind of see where the max is and then I'll put one final one in. Um, but yeah, I put 55 because a lot of people do round numbers as well. So I always do like anywhere from like two to $5 above. So instead of 50, I did 55 and I won it for 50 cause I went 55. But yeah, it's hard to say with taxes. I mean, I ended up doing like 5,200, um, there's a guy on Instagram who's not very well known who was selling one for five. So probably could have got a little better deal somewhere else. But this is also all those factors considered. This has been like those card, the card that always eluded me. You know, I've always wanted this card. This is the only like grail card on my grail list that I've never owned like for myself. So. It's just, I bit the bullet. I'm like, if there's any card I'm going to pay up for, you know, it's this. 
So I just went for it. Um, definitely a good feeling. I did sell a lot of my first editions. I still have a small stack of those. I still have all my gold stars um, that I could potentially sell. But with this card purchased, and I still have the Mimic U, and then, you know, selling the Mario to you, I'll probably work through the rest of those first editions and get that Mimic U 10, and then probably chill out for a while. Um, I'll have to, I just want to enjoy my gold stars a little more, I think, that I have them all graded and as a whole set. So I need to decide, like, which ones am I selling? Do I want to go after the gold stars in higher grade? You know, what am I looking at for, like, a base set Charizard for upgrading there? So lots of lots of options. So I'm just going to get that screen mimic you and, uh, and go with that. Or even if I, like, sell all the gold stars, like, do I just get, like, a 7 or 8 Charizard? And then with that extra money, I could, like, buy all the screen cards and a couple more ponchos. Like, I just have so many options right now that I just need mo to... Mo' money, mo' options. I just need to, just need to chill out. I need to sell this Mimikyu and the rest of the first editions, get that Mimikyu, and then hold for a while. So, exciting times. Can't wait to get that card in. It's going to be in my PC forever. Yeah, super excited. With that, I think we're done with the news. <laughs> Might Thank be our well. longest uh Well, this one's section. more of a kind of a hodgepodge episode because I, I don't think the main topic's really that much to make a whole episode on but it's definitely enough to have a great conversation on yeah essentially like we kind of got into it a little bit but uh yeah let's jump on in so we did a lot of Lorcana talk we'll try obviously we're going to talk about Lorcana a little more in this because it is pokemon's magic can it mm-hmm. be recreated or replicated or you know can the magic pop up again can we have another pokemon like will pokemon be topped so obviously a lot of Lorcana talk as well as maybe some one piece and uh magic the gathering we did this talk before but kind of revisiting it now especially since Lorcana seems to be like the biggest threat in the Mm -hmm. long term it's not a threat now but with the interest that they have and the quality of the cards and the ip if we're looking out 20 years, like Lorcana is probably the most likely IP and product to at least match somewhat of what Pokemon has done. Um, but yeah, we'll get into the the extent of that. So short answer, though, I'm going to say no. <laughs> what, what about you? I'm going to say... Yes. Now, yeah, I'm going to say yes. And now can we, will it be a yes 100%? Maybe not quite. Maybe like a yes 75, 80%, which is still good enough to say yes, which is kind of the boat where I'm sitting at with my opinion. Um, We are seeing it to an extent, right? Now with Lorcana. Now here's the thing that Lorcana lacks. Yes, they take from already existing IPs, but they lack a show. They also lack a game. Now, here's why I think that's important. Because 
it needs to reach the youngest generation. Right now, it's not really. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it isn't really because of the cost and the availability of these products up until this week. It's been almost impossible to get, and most people aren't going to spend $300 for a booster box or something that they never even opened before. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. And especially for somebody who's trying to buy it for their kids. So we've discussed it before. You don't really think so much so, but I think what can take it to the next level is a show. Something on Disney Plus that can reach, that has all these IPs in its own universe. Something where, and have it where it be like a decent kids show. It absolutely could reach that youngest generation and create more of a hype with that young generation. So I think it's possible, and I think we've seen it to an extent with Horkana right now in terms of the hype. We haven't seen this with any other TCG that has came out. And no, I don't include MetaZoo because that was pushed by YouTubers and people's own social circle was pretty much, you know, your own bubble was making you think that because it never was like that. It never reached that big. Um, it was all hype. It was all it was all based on hype. Um, and I believe everything's there for Lorcana. Now that they've got enough product, it looks like for this wave at the very least, it's, yes, it's going to sell out. It's all going to be opened. But they have enough product to get through, and there's going to be another wave. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another wave before the end, end of the year. We're already going to have big box stores. We're going to have it. So we are going to see at least one more wave because of that alone. And we're going to see more in January for set one. So the product at that point, yes, it's expensive, and it's going to be like that for a little bit. That's just how it's going to be. It's going to be it might be like that for upwards of a year till they get printing down. And I think – if they can get a show and maybe even later down, down, down a game of some sort, they can really take it to the next level. Now it depends if Disney feels like doing that because they take a lot of huge losses this year with their Marvel flops, their live action remake flops. I mean, they had like seven or eight in a row. I think, I think elemental, which was great, but by the way, um, that might've been the really only good movie this year. Unless somebody else can think of another one. Um, but, you know, in Elemental, it was kind of, it was right in between, like, Harbenheimer. So because of that, it, it hurt. But what made it good was it was it was a, like, the only family movie during the summer. And it just kept on going in terms of, like, its overall uh, gross sales. And then it had Disney Plus, and it really got its acclaim that it deserved. Because it's one of Pixar's best movies in a long time. Yeah. Um, and anyways, the whole point is if Disney decides to invest in this a little bit more with the show, it can definitely take it to even the next level. Now I know that's if, but that's why my answer is yes, but to an extent. Yeah. My biggest thing with the show is that they already have them. Like they have the movies. That's pretty much enough to drive them. I do think that, you know, if we look at Pokemon, for example, the show is just like adventure driven. You see all the Pokemon. It's like a kid's show. And then kids bought it. The biggest thing with Lorcana is that I feel like the age, like the way they made the game, they wanted to make it more playable. And I think it's like much more advanced than Pokemon. That's not just like addition subtraction there's like a lot of more strategy in there um 
So I really think even the target audience of Lorcana is slightly older than what Pokemon was back in the day. And if you look at as far as the um, play events, like we said earlier, you know, there's a lot of parents or a lot of people our age playing it because it's it's people who have come from magic rather than Pokemon for a lot of it because it does have a lot of magic similarities. So if they create a show, like do they create a show kind of childish like Pokemon or do they create a show for a slightly older generation? Um, well, it's kind of in a weird spot. Like I feel like the type of show they would make doesn't fit really the demographic of what the cards are. And maybe that'll change when more product is on the shelves and like it's genuine kids who want it and they just buy the cards just because, but I don't know. It's hard hard to say. Yeah. I mean, so I understand where you're coming from, but here's where I disagree. And it's because of, so Lorcana is its own lore, right? Its own universe. And they've really been pushing it. I saw Lorcana had another thing about expanded lore within the Lorcana universe. And it's unique enough to create a show on it pulling from existing IPs. And yes, there are they, they pull from a lot of existing you know movies with a lot of the artwork. They do, absolutely. But at the same time, they can really elevate it by making it its own show and its own IP in its own right. And... Now, will they do that? Like as you said, with the demographic, that is to an extent true. Because if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the cars that they had in, in the first chapter, it was a lot of millennial-driven artwork. Didn't you say? But by that, I mean movies and media that we grew up as, as up as kids, right? So you had the Lion King. Yeah, now the Frozen the icons. Yeah. Yeah. Now Frozen was a little bit different with the uh, with Elsa, but. A lot of millennials love Frozen too because of when the first one came out. That first one came out when we were still in college, you know. Yeah, so we even still... if it's like we were old for that movie, like it has become like the Lion King of the new generation. It, it was yep. the biggest for the longest time. Yep, and it was the biggest it, like, animated movie. Yeah, you couldn't escape it because of all the kids singing it. And if you're out in the store, you see Elsa everywhere. <laughs> Yep. You know, it just became the biggest. So even if you don't like the movies or despise Disney or you're a 60-year-old who hasn't had any kids or family, like, you probably know who Elsa is. Yep. <laughs> you know. So, but a lot of the other stuff, you know, it had some Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, um, Alice in Wonderland, you know, all these movies that most people, if you're 10, if you're 10 years old, a lot of these kids probably haven't experienced yet. Um and based on what we saw with set two, it was still a lot like that. There was some Jungle Book, and some of their Enchanter Rares were pretty questionable that they chose, in my opinion. Um, they really missed the mark with not having a Winnie the Pooh one, especially. Um, but it, anyways, besides the point of you know critiquing the set two artwork and, and like the actual cards, they are still pulling from a lot of their non-current IPs, by that I mean, like, you know, they're not pulling from a lot of Pixar yet, um, a lot of some of the younger movies, but, or more recently released movies, and some of that, in my opinion, is because, well, guess what? Most of the movies in the last decade that Disney's released have been live-action remakes, okay? 
beyond certain Pixar movies, most of Disney's creativity, if you will, has been pretty much non-existent since the first Jungle Book live action, which was great in my opinion. But overall, a lot of them have been missed. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, even if Lorcana takes the same path and trajectory of Pokemon, like like you said, the second set is definitely lackluster compared to the first, which is kind of to be expected. But I'm also yeah. surprised at how much they've branched out in so little time. Like, they've really branched out a lot already. Um, and, yeah, I wondered if they were going to do, like, certain sets, certain theme, like Lion King theme and all this. But it seems like they're just hitting everything, just kind of wherever they want. So... I could see them eventually down the road doing it, but I think they're trying to get a wide variety of both IPs um, within under the Disney umbrella. And they're trying to really expand the breadth of what they're trying to do. I could see them down the road making specific subset theme sets like a Lion King set. But if they're keeping these 200 card sets plus Enchanteds, that's going to be very difficult unless they decrease the size of the sets which is something that they might have to do down down the road because starting off your sets with 212 cards is a lot but it's necessary for the game to succeed yeah maybe they do do like a huge set for like the first few and then really tone it down because yeah that's what i'm thinking like yeah they have tons of movies and tons of things to pull from but Look at Pokemon, for instance. They have they have to have repeat cards. Mm-hmm. They just change it up a little bit, and they have thousands of Pokemon to pull from. If you count just like one movie, I mean, Disney probably has hundreds of stuff to pull from for each movie they make. So the content is there, but like they're eventually going to reach a point where they've hit everything, and they're also like releasing. You know, the same character cards, just maybe a different color or slight tweaks or a better version of them. So that's something they could do, which that's exactly what Pokemon does. You know, you have a Charizard, you know, normal hollow, then a Charizard EX, that's a little better. So they got they got plenty of stuff to work with for now. But, you know, when they're 20 years old, it's like, do they create like a hundred movies every couple years and then just keep pulling new stuff because pokemon whenever they're running out ideas they're like well let's just release another hundred pokemon (laughs) you know they Mm -hmm. can create whatever they want and like hell at this point with with pokemon they can create a generation from rejected pokemon yeah and like disney can't quite do that like their cards aren't really these imaginary creatures that they can just make up out of thin air Like, maybe they could. Like, that'd be interesting if we ever see a card that isn't a Disney movie-related. Ooh, I was just thinking, I got... What if something in the lore of Lorcana created something that was like magical creatures within the universe? So then they could start making cards about these magical creatures that aren't even tied to the movies. Hence, Which, creating Pokemon. And if you will, that's where having a show can come in pushing these new characters and new IPs towards the newest generation. 
Yeah, I never thought about that aspect. So, so they could like the ability a Pokemon within Magic or within and they're, Disney's universe. That's the whole thing. You can they, they mentioned Ravensburger mentioned several times. So it's going to be unique art, unique art to the universe. So what they can do, I mean, is endless. They can do, and I don't. I hope they don't do this anytime soon. But they could even branch out to potentially Star Wars characters and. You know, Marvel characters, but I'd be very careful on that. And that's something they shouldn't do for ye- at least five years. Kingdom at Hearts. Least. But Kingdom Hearts is different because they partnered from years ago. In many ways, I mean, it's a collaboration, right? And Square Enix would want to get in on the action, though. Yeah, I mean, which they have Kingdom a partnership. Kingdom Hearts had its own TCG. Yep. They would, I could see them doing that down the road as well. We're talking year three, maybe year four, you know, something a little bit more down the road. I could see them doing it after the initial wave calms down, just like we saw with Pokemon, right? They had the, after a few years, they had the wait within two or three years, they had the wave just die down. A lot of that was because of kids, and that's why it died down. Um, now, if they can do something to where it re, engages interests something like specific sets like what we mentioned with frozen or kingdom hearts can create a new spike of interest and new individuals coming into the hobby so but they should stay away from marvel and star wars because both of them have had their own tcgs and their own cards and i think marvel just released they just released a set i thought of something um but yeah i mean i because they can really do pretty much anything that they, they can imagine with it. And it's really important to engage the younger generation. Like you mentioned with the a lot of millennials, it seems where they're targeting. Well, they need, in order to thrive, they need to reach both adults and kids, literally of all ages. Yeah, it would be weird. They would have to, they would have to make it slightly more mature, but they would have to like, they would have to build out the world a lot more. Because right now it's just like you're you're a lumineer and you're just drawing these inks and they come alive, but like what's the lore behind that? Why why are you drawing these things? You know, are you battling with people or are you fighting something else entirely? It'd, it'd be a weird it'd be a weird show, but I mean, there's been weirder shows. <laughs> yep, but. My biggest thing overall is the kids thing. You know, if you, like I was about to say, if you follow Pokemon's trajectory, even if Lorcana does okay and follows that same path and heats up, it's like there's so much nostalgia for Pokemon and the kids, specifically us, like back in the day, buying the cards as kids. And like that's where our nostalgia connection is. And there's some kids interested in Lorcana, but it's pretty much only because their parents are. There's very mm-hmm. rarely that I've seen, like you'll see some posts about it where kids are interested and kids want them, but they can't find them. But yeah, it's like most people playing now are in their upper teens or twenties because they've, they're into TCGs. They know the hype. They're into magic. They collect Pokemon. And it's just the next thing to check out. But like 20 years from now, like for me, for, exist, for example, 
Like I'm sure I'll have some Lorcana nostalgia. I'm I'm building out a binder set for the first chapter, but that's all I really care about because it'll it'll be cool to look back on like the first cards. I don't really care to own a booster box because of the the print quality, lack of shrink wrap, and even the lack of the box flaps because you can straight up turn it upside down and shake packs out. Um, and that's and that's, that's another the- thing. Like people people are just hoarding this just because of what it is. It's a new exciting TCG. So how much of that is authentic? You know, out of the gate, it's kind of like a money game. And people playing Capitalist Tycoon on getting their boxes and how much of it is legit, how much of that is keeping it from the kids, you know, quite a lot because kids can't yeah, even say find so. it in stores. I would say, I would say the reason so. why kids haven't been interested in it is because they haven't been able to experience it or even, they don't even know it exists yet. If your parents don't know it exists, yeah, but they haven't been able to see it. What we had as kids was the show in the game. That is what it got us with the TCG. See, Lorcana doesn't have that. You need to reach the younger generation to obtain that. And that's why I think a show is a, is a, is a must at some point. Yeah, and sooner like rather a later. Kingdom Hearts style show or game. Yeah. Where they like pull from everything and like create their own storyline and mm-hmm. which something of that nature is kind of unheard of. It was it was unheard of when Kingdom Hearts did it, but now look at that fan base, you know. Which I'm a part of. I love those games. Yeah, me too. I put over fifty hours on Kingdom Hearts too. I've yeah, I put more than that on both of them. Well, I mean I like one hundred percent of the game around there with like 50 60 hours so it was like i don't need to play anymore <laughs> so oh, yeah i would 100 percent the game build the ultimate weapon i did it in one and two and then i bought the remakes of one and i did it again and then i played three and like completely 100 percent of that too got the ultimate weapon before the final boss i i replayed one last year about this time actually and i've been wanting to play two again but it's a lot of time commitment. Two's much, mm-hmm. much longer. And for me, my my thing with games is I inevitably lose interest nowadays. I might have a few weekends, maybe a month, and then I'll just get something where I need to do and just not do it. Yeah. I've been a little more picky with my games. Yeah. I mean, I just don't have the patience. Like, for example, like my downtime, yes, we're doing this episode, but like, like for the past since since New York, I've been editing photos. Like not every week because there's been other things I've had to do on the weekends. But most of my free weekends, outside one or two, um, I've been working on photos because there's that many to go through, that many to organize. We're talking, you know, five to seven hours a week. Well, I mean, yes, I also read comics and stuff as a part of the free time. But trying to wedge games in there, I mean, it's going to take away from the editing process and you know i got a lot of photos to edit from previous shoots like upwards of a year and a half back i still haven't done yeah. so it's just like i feel like i feel guilty yep i i feel guilty like i really enjoy games still but i don't know when i'm really into a game like a lot of other stuff just kind of doesn't take priority and so like i I I prefer to just play games, but then overall, like, my mood is just kind of, eh, like, not, like, depressing, but, like, eh, I'm just kind of unproductive, but 
having fun on this, so I might as well just keep playing. So it's kind of that mindset thing for me. So I know that I get into games pretty heavily, so I really try to limit what I get into. Just like with Pokemon Go back in the day when I totally quit and all that business. Sold my first account, actually. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's just a weird relationship I have, but I actually got pretty lucky with that that go account <laughs> i think i sold it for like a thousand bucks or something which was pretty good it was a level 40 account with like a decent amount of shinies a lot of old stuff but i mean i'm pretty sure you can buy like a level 50 account now for a thousand bucks like 40 well, accounts or nothing yeah i mean my account i'm sure if somebody really wanted it i don't think i even have a name change left so that's the issue but I mean, I would like again. In order, someone would have to give me twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars to make it even worth it, and pro- nobody would probably do that. Yeah. So that that's why, like that that that's the number where you can get to me where we we can start talking about it. Yep, a lot of a lot of time in that one, and a lot of it mm-hmm. is a time thing. Like, yeah, if I counted all the time and stuff that I had in the account, like a thousand was pretty cheap, but. It, you know, I I thought of it as a way, like, I'm going to keep playing this game, so I might as well, like, cut the cord, like, harshly. And, you know, this was many years ago, before COVID. And so, like, it's just like, well, if I can get a 1000 bucks for it, let's go for it. And then, yeah, like I said, now you can buy, like, a level 40 account for, like, 50 bucks because... So easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, people yeah. just run programs where they just level it up Cash. real quick. Yep. Which is kind of another discussion in Pokemon Go in general, but still fun just to mess around on. I just take it way less seriously. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Like I play, you know, I probably play two hours a day overall. Um, a lot of it it helps that's me quite w- a bit for average people though. Uh see, for me that includes like the Pretty when I'm playing it at work. Well, for me, for, like, playing it at work before and after work, like, I mean, honestly, it's really not that much. Like, before work, it gets me alert, and it's like having a morning coffee. Like, it gets my mind mentally stimulated. Get that addicted dopamine rush is what it is. And, and, you know, and then, I mean, not really. And then afterwards, it helps me wind down because I just blare my music in the car, and then I'll I'll play, like, 30 minutes. Like, okay, that was nice to burn off the steam. Time to go home. Yeah, kind of a game. So of I mean, thing, I mean, it's like if you watch four hours of TV in a day, it's at least what I'm doing is mentally stimulating. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, always been my <laughs> argument for games. Like my parents would get on to me for playing games. It's like you guys are literally just sitting in there watching a screen. At least I'm like thinking and reacting and essentially doing the same thing, just more thought into it. But yeah. I mean, how many people do you know watch two plus hours of TV when they get home? Yeah, you know, like I don't watch TV in, in in the mornings. I'll watch a little bit of TV to unwind before I go to bed. But I mean, even then, it's usually something like like right now I'm watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm rewatching that show. You know, when I, when I, I watch stuff nowadays, I like it to be decent content. Yeah, that's how I am too. But like to the extreme, 
Like, I pretty much don't watch anything unless, like, it's ranting and raving. Or I like, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube just because it's, like, easy to do while I'm playing games. But I would much rather, like, chill and watch or listen to a podcast while I'm playing a game than watch really anything unless it is, like, absolutely worth the time. Like, The Last of Us Show was the last thing I watched that was, like, super worth it in my opinion house of the dragon was pretty good this was all last year but that's about it i'm I'm kind of lame when it comes to the shows i used to watch a lot like a lot of movies and stuff but just would rather play games and catch up with my shows on youtube and all that i just love the you know youtube's becoming more and more popular i think with the younger generation still and it's just people just want to see real stuff. Like, it might not be as exciting. Like, it's not like the movie or the Disney movies suck. Like, they're huge box office movies. It's just a problem of people are just kind of burnt out. They're tired of seeing the same thing. And, like... What will she choose today on The Bachelor? Yeah, it's like... The, the Golden Bachelor. Over and over, people just competing for Survivor attention. 56. <laughs> Who's going to win this time? Survivor yeah. is still going on. I can't believe uh, that, that. That's why. I, that, that's why I mentioned it, and I, I'm shocked that it's still going on. Big Brother's still going on. Yeah. American Idol's still going on. All these shows, and it's like, who in the hell is watching this shit to keep it going on for 20 years? It's people mindlessly watching their TV. Like, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's no different than watching the YouTube stuff. It's just with YouTube, unless it's like stuff I really, really like. I just don't watch much YouTube. I don't even watch as much Pokemon content as I used to. Like, it's just a, a few times a month, honestly. I watch Pokemon content, like, as far as the podcasts, but I'll listen to those while I'm doing other stuff or at work. Like, I do consume a lot of that, but if if I'm all caught up, it's like an audiobook that I'm listening to. But usually, because I don't listen as much, there's always something to listen to. Honestly, what I do is I'll listen to like whole discographies analyzing how bands and music, you know, develop through this band or artists and just appreciate the music. That's something I've been I've I've always done that. But in the last six months to a year, I've been doing that a lot more. Yeah. And that's kind of like if I do watch actual videos like that's the kind of content I watch. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Like people want. Like more real things, like someone discussing like an interesting topic or even if it's like, you know, a boring show that they don't really do anything like you're watching like real people, small time production, you know, stuff like that. With all my hobbies and interests, there's always something I could find on on YouTube and I watch a lot of like financial videos and stuff like investing things. Like I think that whole world's interesting, but yeah, I'm kind of a, a boring YouTuber life, but that's, that's kind of the way things are going. More and more people hopping on YouTube, but well, I think with their ad block thing, I think people are jumping off. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, still other ways. Like I have multiple ad blockers yeah. and I can like approve it for one. Oh, I know. I'm just saying a lot of people are getting frustrated with that. People have revolted back. But on the same side of that, like there's there's probably a bunch of YouTube videos talking about the financial aspects of that and invest in Alphabet, invest in Google, because 
more people are going to be watching ads and we're going to see that in the revenue in a couple of months. So that's the interesting side that I'm interested in. Yeah. So it's the same thing that happened. I remember when Facebook started showing ads on their feed, like that's, you know, maybe boomer, but I remember when okay, that, boomer. I remember when that day happened and I'm like, man, I should invest in some Facebook. I didn't, but sure enough, in about a month or two, Facebook shot up with huge revenue boost because that's what YouTube has been doing for a long time. You talk about investing. I still, let's talk about something I, I mentioned to my brother, like, hey, let's try to go in on this D23 set. We're going to make, we make tens of thousands of dollars within a year or so. And he was like, no, thank you. I'm going to stick to the more staple investments like Tesla. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Tesla. <laughs> okay. Uh like okay, like maybe Google and like the your blue chips like for GM, you know, stuff like that, I could kind of understand. Some think Disney even, you know, these Americana businesses that built America, like that's different, right? Um yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But overall, I mean, we saw what's happened to Tesla in the last 12 to 18 months, right? I mean, not to get involved in that too much, but, like, I would – not even the fact that I don't like Musk. I would never give that company one penny. And even if it's to – as a personal financial investment, like never. What, what has Tesla done the last year? I probably heard of it, but I forgot. Oh, no, it's just Musk. Like, the way the guy oh. talks – yeah. Like you really want to trust your money with somebody like that? If he if he kept his m- mouth shut, it would have been different. And it's like, okay, you can just keep your BS behind closed doors. But then you see him talk, and it's like this guy's supposed to be the Steve Jobs of our generation. Seriously, the guy makes comments that are in big incel energy, and we're really supposed to take them as this savant? No, no. I would be fearful of having tens of thousands, millions of dollars in his company, okay? Especially since Toyota has unveiled a potentially more affordable um, electric motor option, okay? I'd rather invest in Toyota than Tesla. Yeah, there's probably some smarter plays. It has done historically pretty well, though. That was just something that as an example, you know, but at the end of the day, I usually just put into my Roth or brokerage account. I don't really buy like individual stocks that might change in a few years, but that's just where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's, that's my main thing. Like it's not more so that he mentioned Tesla cause I don't know. I kind of think the opposite. I, I don't worship Musk or anything, but he's got a lot of good points, but if you're, I don't know if you're extreme leaning to one side or the other, like I could see where you have like problems with them, but like, I don't know there's, we can get into that another time, but I don't agree with his views on like COVID and all that. Like he is kind of pretty, or just about everything else. (laughs) Some things. He's pretty pretty idiotic for the, the COVID stuff. And like, yeah, the right-leaning views he has it, but... on a lot of things, especially his opinion on LGBTQT people. That's something that really pisses me off. So that's why, like, I can't support someone something like that. Yeah, 
He does have a few of those that are like, yeah. If he could yeah. just stick with the business and his ideas on business and like the future, yeah, he'd be a lot more likable. But unfortunately, he likes to put himself out there a little bit. But yeah, anybody who mentions like individual stocks, like it is kind of a chuckle, especially unless they're talking like, you know, super indie or riskier things or, you know, Bitcoin, which has been doing pretty well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do the old boring investments, a lot of mutual funds or ETFs, that business like that, you know. VOO for the win. It's the OSP 500 Vanguard thing. So, Vanguard ETF. It, you're pretty much like betting on all the Teslas, all the Apples when you buy something like that. So, it's a lot more boring, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. But, but uh, anyways, at the end of the day, I think Pokemon <laughs> bringing it back. Magic. Yeah, like we kind of got off tangent there. I believe that Pokemon can be replicated, but I think Disney Lorcana is probably the only one who could do it. And, like, it's not going to happen from One Piece. It's not going to happen from Dragon Ball Super, any of that. The only one that could do it would be Disney. There's no other existing IPs currently that could, could even come close. Yeah, Magic, it's it's all playability. Um, there's nostalgia there, but it's, once again, playability. There was, like, 20 to 30-year-olds... Like here's the thing, I think I think Lorcana is closer to Magic where it's like the older fan base. Because even when Magic first came out, when I was going to the comic shop, not just comics, shout out. Um, when I was going to that store, they were having magic events and the people playing magic were like twenty and thirty. So that's kind of what we're seeing in Lorcana right now. But I think if they can capitalize on the smaller Build that, you know, basically look 20 years from now. Who's going to care about Lorcana? Um, you want to build it out and you want to get that smaller audience. So we really create that nostalgia for down the road. That's that's where it's going to be at. Because, um, yeah, the main thing driving Pokemon, the main thing driving the hype is people revisiting their childhood. Um, Lorcana will be cool, but it's not just going to be that that intense connection like like you know no no other it just strikes back to your childhood but and for that to happen like it has to be kind of become a hype like we're seeing it but we're seeing it in the hype of you know the older generation so we're not seeing that hype of the little kids when the kids are going to school and they're into Lorcana and they're trading their Lorcana cards and they're talking to their friends about Lorcana. Like that builds the insane, intense nostalgia that we're looking for and have seen in Pokemon. So I don't think Pokemon will ever be topped in that category. Um so yeah, that's why I was a hard no overall. I could see the situation though where it just gets so big. Um, in that 20 to 30 year old category because of just the sheer amount of Disney fans. Um, you know, we could be talking that potential, but when you start talking about the older, you know, like 40, 50 year olds, you are just collecting it because it's Disney. 
you know, I think you have to you have to tap into that play aspect too, just like Pokemon. And they're not they're the, not really pushing the ooh, you got to collect them all. It's people are building decks, people are you know, having fun with it and playing it, which is their intention. It's not really meant to be a collector collecting make a binder type thing. So, I think that's going to not make the strong connections needed. I think it'll still do well, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna be Pokemon. It's gonna be more of like the the Yu-Gi-Ohs and the Magic, where they're definitely gonna be a powerhouse. They're definitely gonna have a huge fan base. There's definitely gonna be cards that are like Grail cards, but it's just not gonna be that Pokemon level. Also, the world we live in, you know. All we had back then was Pokemon. It was Pokemon everything. Um, Disney wasn't really doing anything aside from their movies. Sometimes you'd have like Happy Meal oh, toys. Oh, come on. I was about to say, their Happy Meals toys are some of the stuff of legend. Yeah, like I that's, mean, that's what you remember because kids were getting yeah. the Happy Meal toys. What are Hercules kids, plates? Come on. Yeah, Hercules plates. What are kids getting today? They have access to Pokemon. They have access to billions of things like whatever the next youtuber they follow says all these tiktok trends you know it's let's do this dance in the middle of the public and let's talk about how i'm i'm the main character so yeah there, <laughs> there's so many other things that are catching people's attention and the world moves so much faster you know it's just it's on to the next thing on to the next thing and lorcana was one of those things It'll it'll calm down. It's not gonna die out, but it's definitely gonna gonna suffer in the future, just like everything does. You know, Dragon Ball Z Super card game was the next big thing. Now One Piece is pretty much killing that off. Well, I'm mean, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, we're at about the five year mark for the Dragon Ball Super. It's obviously got its premier cards and its diehard fans, but I just I don't know if it's gonna get any further. And it doesn't help that there hasn't been any new Dragon Ball Super. Well, there there was that movie that came out last year, two years ago, but there really hasn't been a lot of Dragon Ball Super content as far as the anime outside those movies. And what what doesn't what doesn't make sense is the fact that the, the manga is like uh, like three arcs ahead of the anime at this point. <laughs> like they've had set like they're like there is significant content. Like they can make like two hundred episodes right now with just the content that, that they have about from like the manga so it's like i i don't understand that um but i think that's why you're kind of seeing dragon ball super to an extent but it kind of like be middling whereas like one piece is still going with the manga and with the anime yeah one piece has got some potential but yeah i don't think anything's gonna topple old pokemon and disney could start marketing it they should they they could, even if they don't make a show, they could like run commercials, run ads on all this um, to reach the younger audience. Um, or they could make subsets where you like it's more of a gotta collect them all, you know, collect this 20 card set. So you kind of entice that more collector feel. You know, they still got plenty of time, just started. Mm-hmm. They could make whatever they want, but let's let's wrap up the main topic yep. there, though. Um, yeah, let's just get. Did you have a question this time? Or? I did. It's pretty simple. Um, it's and within the next year, what do you think people should prioritize buying? Gold stars, first edition base set, or Japanese exclusive promos? Which and why? 
I'm always on the Gold Star train. I think they're they're underhyped. But like we like we said, just look at the EX era. There's not a whole lot of nostalgia there. No. Nope. People didn't really collect that as kids. People as adults see that as one of the key eras and the most collectible eras, but we just kind of ignore it because that connection, that hype isn't there because that's not really what people want unless they're really deep into the hobby. So that's kind of what I'm thinking like Lorcana will become. But because of that reason, I don't I'm not gonna say gold stars. I'm I'm gonna almost have to say first edition Charizard. Um The big three even. Yeah, the Japanese are they make more sense as far as stability. So does Charizard, but the problem is is like Watsi right now has came down so hard from the hype and it has stabilized at the bottom. Whereas the Japanese cards, they kind of had a late boom this summer. They've came down and stabilized, but now they're already on the rise again. Watsi in general, there there's a lot of it, so it's reached the bottom and kind of stayed there for about a year now. And with what we talked about last time, you know, with modern kind of not necessarily dying out, but these less hype sets, 151 kind of re-sparked that modern hype. This um, Paldean, um, what the hell is it called? Paldean Fates. Paldean er. Fates will kind of re-spark that again. So it, it takes these special products to keep the interest up in modern. But when people get tired of modern or they get tired of the same old like base sets maybe they'll spice them up next year like we said but people are gonna go back to okay i spent all this money on modern but it's fun but what do i actually want like what talks to me the most and it's still watsy i think a lot of people are going to be seeing that um not saying we've called everything correct but every everything we kind of mentioned like that kind of somewhat turns out to be true like i've been in this hobby a long time usually things that i'm picking up on or things that i'm thinking there's other people deep in the hobby who are thinking about the same things and seeing the same things all i'm doing is looking at the prices of watsy cards i'm like man they really came down but they've been at these low prices for a long time so they seem stable everybody wants them it kind of makes sense to be the safe play but it's kind of the argument you had when everything went crazy. You know, everything is being opened up more and more. There's less of them coming into the market. But we'll see. Yeah. I specifically collect the Charizard, though. It, it's not that I'm going and buying all the base set unlimited cards. But even if you did that, I mean, they're they're pretty much at their bottom. There, there was a lot graded during the hype, and all those are pretty much back now. Um, so yeah, they might stay low for a while, but it's, it's a, it's a pretty safe spot to put your money to Japanese promos as well. Just the quality you get from a Japanese promo, like, like that one I won today, weird timing. It was in a bidding war and it had 136 watchers on that one card. So it's definitely interest there. And yeah. with the, uh, what we've seen with the Van Gogh, you know, I think Pokemon, like we talked about too, I think they're just going to 
make less and less of these staple promos. So the staple promos we have now, which are the ponchos, the festas, the Marios, the full art. Even the stand. Even the stands. Yeah. That's just going to be less, more common of a thing. And like people will always see these cards as like kind of the golden era. It was kind of the golden era of promos in the sun and moon era. But well, X, Y into early sun and moon. Yeah. Yeah. And then the screen promos, like we didn't even know how good we had it. And then we look back and it's like, man, those are still like some of the best promos. And now, like, who knows if they ever make promos of that caliber anymore because people, I would be shocked. people get arrested and act like freaking... I'm sorry, I thought this was... Look at map. The Netherlands! Yeah. <laughs> people act like animals in there just getting pieces yeah. of cardboard, so... I don't know. It'll be interesting. Or if they do make something like that, they're going to print enough where it's, like, ridiculous... Even as many value. of the Van Gogh promos as they printed, the demand is so crazy that they're still going for a lot. Those have actually went up in price. Like I think they went up to like one forty now. Raw, they were like fifty, then they went up to a hundred, and they're going up still. So I think it's a lot of speculators, quote unquote speculators, and within the modern hobby, and they're they're fumoing hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's it's wild times. It's supply and demand, but, uh, but the the demand side is just so hard to gauge. Yeah, with that stuff, and yeah, people were thinking they're the next screen promos, which they're not. It's not even close. But in a way, I could, you know, you can't blame them for thinking that. We haven't seen anything since really that had to do with like a world famous artist from history, and yeah, you know, this was it. Yeah, I I would ha- honestly I would have to say the first edition is the best time to buy. Um, well, Goat Stars are actually pretty low too overall. I was just taking a look. The, a PSA seven Gold Star Charizard you can have for less than two grand. So there is definitely it's a good time to buy if you're into Gold Stars. But the more safer pick if you're trying to find something like to choose. Which one are you going to enjoy more? Which one you think is going to have the better long-term value if, when you when you decide to resell? If you decide to resell, I would say right now it's been no other time to buy, and especially in the next year for first edition, first edition base set, especially if you're trying to get in the PSA like six to eight range. Mm-hmm. Which is for me, I'm looking at PSA, you know, five for the Charizard, six if maybe things go right. Or if I consolidate, or PSA five Charizard and the PSA seven Venusaur and Blastoise, because people are wanting upwards of like twenty five hundred, three thousand for some of those, or, or like it's like two thousand or twenty five hundred. But they're selling for on auctions. You can get it with sales tax for like fifteen hundred right now for PSA seven, which is near mint. Okay, like PSA seven is near mint, and if you look at the history of those cards, where they reached in the hype five times they reach four to five times what they're going for now so you see what they can reach and you're looking at i mean right now if you're gonna buy they're like four times what they were no they're like three to four times what they were just before the hype so but they obviously went four to five times even beyond what they are now during the hype so you kind of see what they can reach and what they were from a couple years ago this is the closest you're ever going to see them to that pre-2020 value 
And because yeah. of that reason, that is why I say if you're like, you don't like, don't put it on credit cards, don't do any of that shit. But like, if you're looking for moves to make within the next 12 to 13 months, that's the move you make. Yep. It'll be worth it. I think anything is a time to buy. I mean, pretty much the only thing not worth buying right now is, you know, I've always said ultra modern. It's, uh, PSA 10 Umbreon is down to eight, under 800 average. Yep. Took a lot longer to get there, but... Yep. You know, we were, what... we were telling people, like, yeah, you could make a lot of money and take off at the hype, but the thing people are talking about, you know, if it's Lorcana, if it's Moonbreon, things fade away. Like, more yep. things come, things fade out. There's always value there in some of those things, but... Things fade away. If if you're looking to go for like a super hype card right now, and everyone else is hype about it, you know, just wait. It'll it'll have its day. Even the Van Gogh, it's taking a lot longer to get there because people are still hyped about it. People are grading them now. It it's gonna go lower. It'll happen. So I think I think we're gonna see the Umbreon go closer to what the value should be between six and seven hundred. Yeah. That's what the value should be right right now, and it's getting closer to that value. I almost pulled the trigger just before the, like it was that was one of the cards I was trying to get, and it looked great, and it was like three fifty four hundred, and I was gonna pull. I was like, this was the, the this was the Casey Collecticon from twenty twenty two, and I was like, if he still has it, I'll get it. But he sold the first thing in the morning, and it was like three fifty four hundred, and within that week or two, it started. It was like six hundred, and then that was just before like the peak and all that. Um, and that was a so, very rare exception too. Like very mm-hmm. rarely after a card releases that the hype builds even more. And the only card that has really done that since has been, I don't know if the Pikachu deck from Worlds has done that. They kind of stabilized. They never went really crazy. It was just in general good play. But the only card that's done that since that card has been the Spango Pikachu so even though it's like still going up, even after all these copies hit in the market, you know, that's what Moonbreon did. So no matter how high it goes, eventually there will come a day when something else is out. And, uh, you know, it's not as sought after. Like, I, I take my own opinion pretty uh, pretty seriously because, like, you know, it's it's my collection. I buy what I want. I like what I like. I don't even like that card. I think I've said it before. It's it's English. It's a nice full art promo, but the portrait is a little low. The text is like right on his chin. It's English. And by the way, it's English. I just yeah. I just don't like English cards. Um, as far as like full art promos go, you know, I'm a Japanese full art exclusive collector. So, like, that is, like, one random English card in my collection. Like, the art would have to be a little better for me to, like, pick that one up. So, I'm sure, not tooting my own horn, but I'm sure some people think the same thing. have no idea. I'd rather buy the uh, Precious Collection box in a tin, which is, like, $100 or so cheaper in a tin right now. Rather buy that. Texture is way cooler. More Pokemon on it. Cooler art. Not English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what about your question? 
I'll do a real quick one. Um, this one is eBay tips. What's your number one quirk that you do for eBay listings that you for think selling, is good to, good to share? For selling, if you're doing an auction, or make sure. So I'll do about one of both. For selling, if you're doing an auction, make sure it ends at minimum between 7 and 10. Um, and if you're able to, try to make it end on like a Sunday, if possible. Um, so as an example, my girlfriend, is she, she works with homeowners and she works with sales with homeowners. So she calls people that fill an application and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, she her best times for people answering is between the hours of like seven and nine, six and nine, because that's when most people are at home and are free and they're just watching TV, just hanging out. That's when you can reach a lot of people. Likewise, when it'll, it translates well to auctions, well, that's when you're going to have the most eyes on it. Seven, ten days doesn't really matter. But which one you do, in my opinion. And then for as far as uh, buying, the number one thing I do is I'll watch it. And if it's an item I think isn't really a big deal, I'll, I'll probably throw like a bid on it just to see if I'll win it. Um, now, if it's what I'm really trying to get and I'm trying to get for good value, I don't bid at all until the final five to ten seconds. And it was scary to see that on the stitch side because I was experiencing two potential buyers that were operating under the same principle. And I kind of got that vibe leading into the final day when we it still was only like at two grand. And it was in the final 10 seconds and it was still at 2100. I was starting to freak out a little bit. Like worst case scenario was happening right before my eyes. And I didn't do a reserve because the amount that they take out makes it to where unless it would have sold for under 2500, it wouldn't have been worth the reserve price. Well, we were looking at that situation and it was scary. Um because I was going to have to blow up my rating because I was not going to sell that card for 2200 bucks. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. And it would have been very tricky, but it would have been worth it. And what I would say as far as buying is don't bid. Because if, you, if there's somebody else bidding and there's that person interested, they know that they have at least one person to compete against. I cannot tell you how many auctions I've won in the final five to ten seconds. Now, it's tricky because if you don't, if you, I've also had a situation where I lost an auction because I waited till too late. And then like, I was like, oh shit, there's only three or four seconds left. Uh, bid one, two, oh shit, it's, it's done. You know, like I, I had, I have had that before and it, it, it happens, but you just gotta be careful with it. Yeah. My, my thing, my biggest thing for buying is exactly about that. A lot of people think it's like timing doing the last second, but that's not really how eBay works anymore. That used to be the case where it's like when this timer hits zero, whoever put that last bid in wins. But since they've done it where you put in your max bid, it's never really been a time thing, but it is kind of. So, for instance, like when I bought this card today, like, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it. Basically, whoever puts in the higher number, what they're willing to pay, they will win the auction. Like, no matter what. If there's, like, three bids when it hits zero and it needs to process it, that's that's when 
you know, sometimes you may have experienced this where you're looking at an item and it waits and it like won't refresh, like it's processing all those bids. But ultimately, whoever puts in the highest number should win regardless of when they put that in. Yep. See, that's why I would also say it depends. You want to wait till the final handful of seconds as well, in my opinion, and then put whatever you're the highest you're willing to bid. Yeah. If, if it's a higher end item, I can understand if you wait till like the final few minutes, but ultimately you want just wait and then whatever you, you like, you, you know, if you know the market price, you kind of look like, you know, you might have to bid a little bit more, just put what your highest willing to bid and that's it. That way you don't be one of those people that paid, what was it? $3,900 for the PSA 10 D23 Captain Hook that was going for 2,200 bucks. Yeah. The guy freaked out. Whoever bought it freaked out, spent $4,000 on it paid 70% over the market price. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's where I kind of said, like, maybe it kind of is still a time thing, because, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, uh, what I do, obviously, you don't want to put in your max bid right away and have it sit there, because people see the number, they see the bid, and then they know, okay, well, I at least have to bid this much. And even if they put that bid in, like, with 30 seconds left, it'll immediately tell them, you know, you're still not winning. So they could put in the bid multiple times until they reach that number. And sometimes it'll just happen at the happen to be at the second before and they'll steal the auction from you. So yeah, I agree. Put in the max you're willing to pay if you're very conservative, like right at the end. Even the the last so if you're putting in a bid like on a thousand dollar item that's at a thousand and you're wanting to pay like one thousand fifty, that's where you get pretty risky the closer you get down because if you put that bid in with like three seconds left while you're typing it in if someone puts in a bid higher at the you know four second mark it'll tell you like please put in a higher amount so that's when you run into that situation of like oh crap i'm running out of time i got to put in a higher number because someone just bid but if you're wanting to overpay on the current bid by quite a bit you're safer Because it essentially, like, if two people are putting in the number at the same time and one person bids higher than what they're currently typing in at that second, it'll, like, boot them out and, like, type in a new number. Type in a new number, you know. So there's definitely some mind games. So what I'll do, if it's an item that I for sure want to win, like today's poncho, I'll, at the 30-second mark, I'll put in a bid that's, like, higher but not my max just so I can get a feel of what their max is. Like, I'm fishing for the max. If I put in, on that $1,000 item, if I put in, like, 1100 and I'm willing to pay 1400 like, I'll put in that 1100 bid, and it'll tell me that I'm the highest bidder. So I'm like, okay, I got this now. So I'm still going to put in that 1400 but I might wait until, like, the last seconds because they have to respond and then I already got like a counter response in the system. But with this one, it was a little difficult. I had to fish for it. I had to put in like two or three bids to find what their minimum was. So I, I think I got the highest bidder notification at like 4,800 and then I waited like a few more seconds and then I put in another bid that was above my current one and then I ultimately won at like the forty nine fifty. So that person did put in another offer that beat mine. 
you just got to kind of think like the mind games. It's kind of a back and forth, but I call that like doubling up. Like you want to be the highest bidder, but you want your like maximum bid on the ready. Like you don't want to give it away too early, if that makes sense. But so it is kind of a time game, but if you don't want to mess with all that or you're trying to shave off a couple bucks or you don't care about like you don't want to overpay, like I wouldn't have done this if I didn't you know want to somewhat overpay for this item but i didn't mind overpaying because i've been hunting it for so long but if you're only wanting to spend like this amount no like not a penny over then yeah just go ahead put your max in and let it ride it's not really worth all the mind games unless you've done it a lot <laughs> but with that Guess we should wrap it up. We went a little longer than I expected. Yep, some... I gotta still get to the gym, and I gotta be at the store by five till so yeah. by five till four. So <laughs> yeah, we're at an old Magelings. We'll let you know what happens with that. But uh, good talk. I knew, like I said, if we would have recorded Monday, we're recording Friday. Like we would have skipped half this news. So it does pay off to wait. It's just kind of nerve wracking. You know, if something popped up today where we couldn't record, we'd be scrambling. Mm -hmm. but it's worth it when we can pull it off. So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Lots of info to pack in. You know, more episodes, like we mentioned, should be pretty chill like this, where we're kind of winging it, just talking about current events rather than a specific topic. Um, but, yeah, overall pretty good. Any closing remarks you want to say? Nope. I'm ready to see what happens today. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. We'll catch you then. Peace out. Till next time, y'all. Peace. <laughs>